We're back. Yes, we are back. And more specifically, uh, Charles is back from uh, across the pond. Yes, Nick, I took a little jaunt to our uh, neighbors out east, which I don't think that's anything anybody actually calls the UK, but that's what I'm, I'm decided to call in this moment. I went to England to check out the site of a lot of the stuff we talk about. I got to go to uh, some be- a bunch of like cool beetle shit. That was kind of the... I saw Strawberry Fields, Nick, where where John Lennon would go to sneak in to play as a as a boy. Take my dreams, put them down to Two Track Audio with Nick and Charles. There was a very nice, like cast iron, like gate that was painted red that was a very like beetly image despite the fact that yeah. it doesn't actually appear in any beetle stuff but it was like like a red cast iron gate is like pretty so beetles. to become cast iron do you have to go to an audition first like does the iron have to go to an audition in order <sighs> to be cast that's very good that's very good it's, it's so good <laughs> it made you laugh <laughs> Yes, only barely. <laughs> only barely. That, that that's a real thinker, Nick. That's it actually really cool it has thinker. it has potential there. It needs to be it it needs to be uh, polished up a little bit. So as our audience will know, and as Charles knows, uh, so I had to publish some vault like lost episode content recently because we sort of uh, used up our. Uh, episodes recorded ahead so uh, I had to edit some episodes from a year ago and apparently we recorded an episode a year ago where we talked about uh, dairy products more specifically like milk for like 20 minutes so I'm seeing a window here to like back into the the topic today but uh, we haven't got there yet because now I want to ask you do you remember new coke I admit don't remember it i i'm i'm aware that it existed yeah for like 30 days and that was it because that's how much people hated it i think citrus sodas sort of lend themselves a little better to like drinking 12 ounces of them um but yeah like just 12 ounces of coke or root beer or pepsi or whatever it may be is tends to be a lot in fact i wonder if i wonder if i like fountain drinks better than like bottles or cans oh, because of that much better yeah 100 yeah. like like literally just because of the ice like i wonder if the yeah. ice just makes it more palatable. i think the fizz is a little better too on a fountain drink oh sure because i think really what i want is like and i found this with seltzer i really just want carbonation you know is what it comes down to mm-hmm. you know like a, a oh yeah a, an unflavored seltzer scratches very much the same itch as soda for me yeah yeah, so we're doing a couple a uh, couple little glammy kind of songs from the early 70s. Um, do you want to introduce them, Nick? Yeah, yeah, so I'm uh, I'm intrigued. Um, so we're doing uh, Virginia Plain by Roxy Music and Ballroom Blitz. And what I don't know is if Ballroom Blitz is by Sweet or if it's mm-hmm. by The Sweet. Yeah, I think they use both names. I was confused okay, about that okay. too, and I looked it up, and I think I think they they are credited on on records as Sweet and The Sweet. I've always said gotcha. The Sweet, okay. But I'm one of these people where I also say like The Pixies, even though I don't think it's. I think it's just yeah. Pixies. I think that is just technically Pixies. Yeah. yeah. So I'm excited to talk about this because 
I'm familiar with this genre of music. Like everyone's like heard these types of songs before, and that's kind of the same with me. But I always, you know, definitely associated it with the '80s. But we're talking about uh, these two songs today came out in '72 and '73, which was a little yeah. bit of a shock to me. And uh, one of them I'd heard before; the other I hadn't. Yeah, well, I think what's cool about these kind of glam bands, and I mean, certainly, like we've covered you know adjacent areas to this with like i don't know if we've done like a ziggy stardust era david bowie song but like you know bowie is certainly kind of he's a glam rock guy lou reed is kind of a glam guy oh yeah definitely like in during like the transformer kind of period at least um but uh you know I, i what i kind of find fascinating about it is that you have this really like kind of like it it feels very forward looking like these bands like i think a lot of glam bands like owed more to like bowie sounds in the ziggy stardust kind of period sounds more like he like he's you know if it's like 1977 as opposed to 72 compared to like the other stuff that was going on at rock you know he's more similar to like a sex pistols or a clash than he is to like right you know yes or something oh absolutely or even just to think of um uh, another episode that we're going to be recording soon is uh, a ZZ Top episode, and mm-hmm. one of the songs is is from an album that they released in 1972, and it is just so different. Like you wouldn't think, yeah, you wouldn't be surprised if they were from different decades altogether, and and they turn out to be from about the same the same year. Right, even. So right. It, it seems weird. Like this Roxy music song, I think particularly, um, like it's weird to think about it coming out the same year as like like i mean zeppelin were making records you know what i mean still sure, like yeah. like and we're at the height of their like popularity you know it's like such a different kind of a thing. yeah was 72 dark side was that uh Pink yeah Floyd? dark side comes out yeah yeah and i'm trying to think yeah. was there a led zeppelin album that year there must have been is that when led zeppelin 4 is that 1972 it's oh it's I'm, hard to say I'm gonna look it up. uh let me go back and look because they released two in one year but well, I think one and two are both sixty-eight or something, right? Uh, oh wait, yeah, I think. That oh that's no, okay. Right. Led Zeppelin four is seventy-one, and then okay. seventy-three is Houses of the Holy, so they didn't put out a record that year. But then, um, Led Zeppelin, Led Zeppelin two are both nineteen sixty-nine. Yeah, which makes sense because wow, so they, they did. It wasn't hard to make those albums. <laughs> they did their first. I mean, man, they did the first four albums in three years. That's crazy. Jeez, Louise. Yeah. Anyway. Wow. wow. Crazy stuff. Wild, wild stuff. Uh, and they the changed. Day, they changed, or I shouldn't say changed, but they improved a lot in that time frame. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's surprising. a dramatically different. You know, those are those are four pretty pretty distinct albums for each other. I mean, there's a huge jump mm-hmm. I feel like between one and two. You know, like mm-hmm. in terms of quality, sure. I, I think anyway. Um, yeah, I, I I often find Zeppelin one a little a little boring. I think, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely of those four, and and you know, I, I've not really listened to anything after Houses of the Holy. I'm I'm ashamed to say, someone I've never listened to physical graffiti all the way through. I don't think, but of mm-hmm. those like first four albums, that's the one I've listened to the least by far i've maybe listened sure. to one, one twice and those other three i've listened to umpteen times you know right um, yeah so uh so virginia plain one thing so so can you describe the can you like elaborate on the lyrics a little bit for me because it's 
Yeah. Apparently Robert E. Lee is in this song. Well, apparently that's a reference to a like a guy in the music scene. There was like a manager yeah. named Robert Lee who Roxy Music worked with. Um, right. But I guess the song is based, it's part of a, a weird sort of subgenre of rock music, which would be like uh, songs ab- about paintings. <laughs> Uh, okay. sort of like losing the sky with diamonds kind of thing um like uh Ro- Brian Ferry the lead singer and the main songwriter for Roxy Music he um was an artist is an artist and um was in art school and stuff and and he had this painting that was like this like watercolor of of a woman and he called it Virginia Plain and and that's mm-hmm. what he you know kind of wrote the song about and the lyrics are apparently just kind of gobbledygook i don't think there's supposed to be like a literal meaning to them except that there's like so many references what i think is interesting about the song is that it's like it's there's so many references to like americana kind of stuff like the robert e lee line the title um uh stuff like like you're talking about sucks about studebakers and um you know like it, it just it feels like this weird kind of um and like drive-in theaters and stuff, it feels like this weird kind of like outsiders. They're an English band, so it's kind of this weird like outsiders look at like uh, American culture of like a particular time. You know, this for like maybe sort of fifties American culture or like old West American culture. It's kind of an interesting mm-hmm. sort of thing. What did you think about this song? Had, had you heard it before? I I hadn't heard it before. Um... And I hadn't heard of the band before, as oh, a matter wow. of fact. Um... I didn't think much of it one way or the other. I thought uh, I thought the lyrics were were interesting. Uh, I thought I, I liked the way that uh, the opening is a little bit deceptive, and mm. I love how neatly the song ends. Like like it catches you off guard, but it fits as an ending. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, no, for sure. Like it ends in a really good spot, but you also like uh, one of my pet peeves in music. That I have pet peeves that really aren't fair in life but one of them is is the fade out like yeah i feel like any listener is entitled to a a song whose ending is is actually written like like write the ending don't like fade out of the song um so i i think that i i feel like there was some like intentionality in in how they ended the song and i i like that a lot um But, you know, glam rock isn't, you know, aside from, like, as mainstream of stuff as it gets, like you said, mm-hmm. like Lou Reed and, and David Bowie, it's it's not my uh, my my genre of choice. I don't I don't end up there very often. Mm. What about you? So so why did you why did you choose this song, Charles? Uh, so I I mean, Roxy Music are a band that I've been pretty aware of. They had a bunch of hits. In the eighties, um, in the seven, in the seventies and eighties, I, I guess they were more popular in England. But like, they had a bunch of. They have a song called Avalon that was a pretty big hit, and a song called Love Is the Drug that's probably their best known song. Um, and their their lead singer Brian Ferry went solo eventually, and and he had a pretty very successful solo career. Um, but uh, yeah, they have this like weird glam rock kind of thing early on that like they eventually moved away from they became more about like like brian ferry his whole image is like sort of like um elegant menswear sort of european like um suaveness kind of thing is sort of what 
they, they became this kind of like loungier sort of band that was you know, still pretty interesting. But in their glam rock incarnation, I think probably what made me really interested in them is that Brian Eno, if you know Brian Eno, the the, the ambient musician and producer, he was a mm-hmm. member on their first two albums. Um, he plays synthesizer on this song, um, such as it is. And um, he uh, is a figure that I'm pretty fascinated with and I'm a big fan of. And so I kind of got into them because of him. And, and it's sort of one of these things like um, they were a big influence on like English alternative music of the late mm-hmm. 70s because they were kind of like I see them as sort of fitting into the space of like on the one hand, I think like the piano intro is like I feel like that's a reference sort of to Waiting for the Man by the Velvet Underground, if you know that song, which is a very similar piano part in it. Sure. Um, yeah. And so they're kind of like looking back at that kind of stuff. A lot of their music has this sort of like it's not really like rockabilly, but it has this kind of like 50s music kind of thing going on. this like rock and roll kind of thing. But they also have like like the song has an oboe on it. Like they have like a saxophone oboe player in the band. So there's a little bit of this prog thing going on, too. And they're all really good at their like their guitarist is like a really. Yeah, I thought the oboe was really interesting. Like, yeah, I, I didn't I didn't love it. um uh but i hadn't really heard that or you know in the music video seeing that Mm -hmm. like it just it it was a it was a it was an artistic choice let me just say that i guess yeah no i i I think it's interesting they use it as like a rhythm instrument too Mm -hmm. um uh but um right so so i i think um they're 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 an interesting band to me for that reason i think they're they're kind of a unique voice in in that era now ballroom blitz the other song we're talking about which i don't even know if we've oh yeah i guess we did mention that that was by by the sweet or by sweet that's a song that you have a little more of a connection to i think you mentioned in a text that you knew about that song since 2008 i think you said uh yeah i think 2008 so um yeah so back in the day when people would uh I, I know, like, the, the OG is, like, mixtapes, right? But, um, you know, uh, the air to, to mixtapes was, uh, you know, mixed CDs and burning CDs for people. And so so that was kind of my scene uh, in the in the first decade of the 2000s was, you know, um, people burning CDs for me, me burning CDs for other people, and then, you know, making mixed CDs for people. If you had a crush on a girl, you make a mixed CD for her, that kind of thing. Um, but my, my friend had made a mix CD for me. Unfortunately, he didn't have a crush on me, I don't think, but <laughs> he made a, he made a, a mix CD for me and it had a bunch of, see if I can remember some of the things on there. It had a live, uh, it had a live recording of don't fear the reaper, Okay. which you couldn't really hear the cowbell on at all. Sure. Uh, it had a live recording of stairway to heaven which was the first time i had ever heard stairway to heaven um and i don't think it was led zeppelin i think it was another group you and i may have even talked about this live recording before because it was really really a great cover of of stairway to heaven but i don't think it was led zeppelin um so if you have any ideas of what that was let me know interesting Uh, a cover of stairway to heaven could it have been heart I thought it was a male singer. Okay. Okay. I don't know. 
And now, now that you say that, I feel like there's a notable cover of Stairway to Heaven that I'm just not, like, yeah, that I just can't think of. Anyway, um, but yeah, continue. Um, uh, I think the opening uh, track on the on the mix CD was uh, London Calling, cool. which which was really a bad thing because I was made aware that that was by uh, the Clash, mm-hmm. and. And I didn't like that song at all at the time, oh, so it, no. I just oh. had no interest How in the Clash. Not, for like, like London Calling is a that's a perfect that's the most exciting song. I don't like the sound of, of his time. voice. Ugh, the sound of Nick. his voice is just really rough Nick, for me Nick, in that Nick. song. Oh, I know. Goodness. I'm sorry. Hey, uh, you're you're dissing like 12 year old Nick right now. That's you realize that, right? To me. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I can, you know, you're right. You're right. You're right. Hey, you, you like what you like, I guess. But that's uh, just a, a hard thing. for And me I to do. It was just. It was a bummer because I happened not to like the song, and so I didn't look into the Clash for years and years mm-hmm. and years after that. Uh, it took me till I got to college before I discovered that I liked them at all. Um, but uh, but one of the tracks on this on this mix CD was uh, Ballroom Blitz, and sure. and I was like kind of into it. I mean, even at the time, it wasn't like wasn't one of my favorite songs on the mix CD. Didn't become like a, a genre that I explored a little bit more. Uh, but I the thing was there there are elements about this song that I really really like, and then there are elements that like make it impossible for me to go out of my way to listen to it very often mm-hmm. um you know i like i like how well the uh lead singer screams his lyrics yeah um i like i like the lyrics i don't like the chorus like any aspect of the chorus at all i think it's it's like too uh like I think you're right. for me. Yeah, I know, I know what if you that mean. that makes sense? Yeah, I think the yeah. chorus is weirdly the weakest part of the song. Yeah. Yes. For sure. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's that's how I know this song. I've known it uh, for it a long time. So when you when you said I was like, oh, great. Well, I get to, like, revisit my adolescence again a little bit. So, so yeah. that, was, that was fun. I should have dug that's out cool. that, that mix CD if I could have found that, that. I might still have that somewhere. You know what's funny about that, Nick, is that I think I – probably became aware of the song at a similar time to you um i first heard it <laughs> at my friend my uh uh a very good friend from high school uh my friend matt uh had um a bunch of people over to his house i think for his birthday and we were playing um rock band and okay this is yeah. a song on rock band and a friend of his from his his previous school this guy evan um, super cool guy, uh, you know, met him a number of times. Um, he sang this song and did the whole thing in this like really high falsetto, like, just like right <laughs> into the mic. And right. it was so funny. It was just one of like the funny, it, and I never heard the song before, but it was just like such like a crazy thing, you know? And I, I just really thought that was, that was super funny. Um, and uh, uh, so that was my introduction to the song. Had never, never heard the, didn't hear the original recording until much later. And um, uh, I, I mean, I, I, I kind of love this song. Like it's, it's crazy. Like it's a really weird song. But like, I love how, um, sort of, uh, serious sounding the, like the, 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 
the verses give absolutely no indication of what the next parts of the song are going to be like. You know, uh-huh. like, it's just been a ho-ha. Will you do these things to me? Like, that could be, like, at any time period or whatever. And then, like, yeah. the bass player or whatever who sings, like, he sounds like Snagglepuss. Like the the Paul Lind sounding guy who comes in, uh, his eyes were as red as the sun, you know, kind of that guy. <laughs> it gets uh, so crazy, and then the you know like the screaming comes in and stuff, and like it's just a very bizarre song. And it's funny that it's like such a big, it was such a big hit. I mean, I get it because like, but it's like it's also a song about like, like violence in a club look I, I think it's a, it's a kind of a dark song too i think right in a way like so yeah i researched that a little bit and i found a couple of interesting notes one was that apparently this is based off of an incident that had occurred like to them oh, okay. um like a sort of a, a a riot sort of like broke out at one of their performances mm. um but apparently so there's this term called and i and it, it baffles me that there's a term for it and that this is the term but there's a term called bottling which is basically that like Mm. every once in a while the crowd starts throwing bottles at uh at the performers on (laughs) stage yeah (laughs) like okay well that's kind of a lame like i feel like there are way better names for that anyways but it was weird because if you like if you researched it it was like it was like normally the bottles were empty or filled with water but sometimes they were filled with urine sure (laughs) Sure. And well, it's it, just a weird thing to say. And I'm <laughs> I'm sitting here going, I don't think that they were ever filled with water. I don't think so. No. Um, I, yeah, well, how many, you know, like famously in rock venues, those glass bottles of water that get handed out right. that people purchase. Um, <laughs> you know, that's, that, that, that's a big part. Of, I mean, have you ever been to a concert, Nick? How do you not know about that? Yeah, um, geez, sorry. But uh, And then, but it, what's weird is... I don't want to say it makes sense, but it's uh, when these when bottling tends to happen is when there's a lineup for a concert, like at a festival, mm-hmm. and one of the one of the uh, artists is like really really out of place. So you'll have mm-hmm. a bunch of like heavy metal groups, and then you'll have like a singer songwriter who's like in the middle, and right. and so like the the fans are all there to see one kind of music, and then so-and-so shows up uh didn't that sure. happen to that happened to like wasn't there like a prominent rock band who I, used to open for another rock band and it just didn't match at all i i think um well you, you might of? be thinking of a mighty wind opening for spinal tap that might be um, <laughs> no i can't uh but um a uh, gentle giant toured with black sabbath Oh sure, once. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, That's it. And and Jimi Hendrix toured with the Monkees another time, and that was like mm. a weird mismatch. And yeah. the Who toured with Herman's Hermits. Um, nice. So there's a lot, which of which would have been in the '60s. I feel yeah, like, yeah. which and they I were, mean, doesn't they were opening for them, and like the Who would like destroy their instruments and stuff on stage every night. <laughs> and Herman's Hermits were like, do you know Herman's Hermits? Do you know that? Band? I've heard of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're like a. They're like a. Uh, they're like, they're like just a, like the poppiest sixties pop band. Like they, right. they do that song, Mrs. Brown, you've got a lovely daughter. You know, like it's like that kind sure. of. Sure. They're, yeah. they're fine. They're a fine band, but although in his book Pete Townsend talks about uh, the guitarist from the Who, he talks about uh um how Herman one night after uh, a performance like like went to his hotel room, if you know what I mean, with both 
a young fan and her mom. <laughs> like, oh, gosh. Which is pretty, uh, pretty, pretty intense stuff for uh, Herman. You know, I guess like he was like, oh, uh, anyway, pretty, pretty dark uh, in a way. Um, but uh, anyway. Uh, yeah. So, so th- that's these two tracks, uh, two track audio. Uh, oh, check it out. Hey, Nick and Charles. Right on. <laughs> Um, oh yeah, our names yeah, are Nick and Charles. I don't think we ever said that. <laughs> oh, they do this. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, it's them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Those guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, uh, so Michael, uh, Michael is one of our one of our most consistent listeners now. I think. Oh, friend of the uh, show. Uh, yeah, Michael Coy. Yeah, Michael Coy. He enjoys the content, which is uh, which is encouraging. So be like Mike. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and and uh, listen to the episode he was on. Maybe that's how we get more listeners. Maybe we just have more people on. We just like, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, um, uh, if you hey, if you want to pitch yourself as a guest, why not? Just go for it. Leave us a review, and then we'll uh, then we'll talk. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, definitely, definitely open to that. That'd be fun. Uh, okay, great. Uh, any any parting shots? Charles? Um, no. Okay. So this has been, this has been two track audio with Nick and Charles, uh, rate review, follow on social media, buy some merchandise. You know, the spiel. We're going to see this recording in three, two, one. <laughs>